As live music begins its slow return, venues and the industry at large are reassessing the old practices and finding new ways to operate within the current restrictions. A lot will stay the same, but so much has changed too, including the musicians themselves. This is Kingston Live, and today we're joined by an artist that has taken the break as a chance to grow. If you're engaged with the local music scene, or have been listening to the podcast for a while, the name Savannah Shea might be familiar to you. I'm broken into pieces, at least when I'm alone, I know what makes me Her soulful blend of jazz and folk music won her and her collaborator Michael Broadhead a spot among the finalists in the YGK Emerging Musician Competition in 2019. In the time since then, Savannah has focused on more than just her art. She stepped away from music at the beginning of the pandemic and took the downtime to take personal stock before returning with a pair of releases, the stripped-down EP The Day Of, and most recently, Winter Magnolia a trio of songs that find Savannah embracing a more robust sonic palette. There's always stuff happening. It's amazing. I feel lucky to be here because Kingston has so many venues like that. I think Kingston has a great music scene that is better than 90% of other towns of this size. And once I got in, I was like, great, I'm here. I'm just going to start a band now. Random bucket list item. Read. Random bucket list item. Uh, I mean, t- uh, to drive throughout all of Canada, but also to try to travel to as many countries as possible. I mean, I, I don't know if that's random. I feel like that's very, <laughs> a very common bucket list. But no, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm satisfied with that. Savannah. Um, I honestly, mine is drive across Canada. Get a van, drive across Canada. Same thing. I know that's not very interesting, but <laughs> love it. John, go. No, it's good. Oh, mine? Okay. Um, I need to see whales before I die. Oh. Yeah. So you know what you could do is you could drive across Canada and <laughs> see some whales. No, I can't do that. I hate driving. I hate driving. Fair. What if I, you were in I, the car? Like, like if, if someone was driving you? No, I just don't like being in cars anymore. Oh, I'm an avid cyclist. I bike right. everywhere. Would you right. bike across Canada? Yeah. Uh, that would be acceptable. To yes. the whales. Yes, okay. maybe. Yeah. That's that a may, good leg worker. That, that's too. a better one. Okay. Yeah. What I like you... that you're deciding my bucket list for me, but that's that's okay. <laughs> what do you imagine you will feel like when you see a whale? I don't know. That's why I need to see one. Right. I've I... just always been fascinated with whales. They're just enormous and yeah. amazing. Yeah. I agree. Interesting. Great. Reed, your turn. Okay. Um... A hundred duck-sized horses oh or one horse-sized duck? I have answered this question so many times, <laughs> and every time it's different. It's got to be the little ones. It's got to be a hundred duck-sized horses because, first of all, duck, I think horses are less scary in general than ducks. Right. Like, if they were both the same size, right? I would rather be with a horse. Um, and I think a hundred horses, like, little horses, I, I think kicking is easier. They don't, they can't fly. Right. Imagine a horse-sized duck flying, and its teeth would be like shark teeth. Little. I'm answering little. I know this is rapid fire. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm going to go with the giant duck no. only because. <laughs> remember, remember on the the sesquicentennial anniversary of Confederation, they had that giant rubber duck going right. along uh, the water. I missed that. But but see, so uh, I know c- it's not going to be a rubber duck. It's c- a whole- c- well, that's a, the first time I answered this question. I had in my head that it was a rubber duck, and then I realized, oh, oh no, 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 it, like ducks are real. Like a ma- <laughs> like a mallard. <laughs> like think about how scary a Canada goose is. Yeah. And then make it bigger. I I, I, I hear you, but I feel like mm. looking at like a hundred little horses to me Cute. that like but see like I don't I don't like mice. I don't like rats. I don't like I don't I don't know I don't know why I go oh. there, but I just feel like I'd be creeped out by just a hundred. But ducks are much bigger Little. than rats. That's true. <laughs> but, but they'd be like... Okay, moving nasty. on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this could go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> Something you did not miss during COVID. Savannah. Oh, um, 
just like having to cancel plans all the time because I was tired. Yeah, I just didn't have to because there were no plans. Okay. Okay, read. Read. Yeah, running into people that I didn't necessarily, um, <laughs> I felt awkward about seeing or like didn't know how to strike up a conversation with. I, I find having my own space <laughs> is is a great thing, but I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. I missed I missed people, so I'd rather have that. Fair enough. I'll go with driving again. <laughs> yes, established fact that you do not like cars. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got another one. My for us? turn. A muscular lower body with a normal upper body, or a muscular um, upper body with a skinny lower body. Lower body. Lower muscular. Strong lower body. Okay. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But that's like, I wonder if that's like a, a thing that I say. Okay, this is rapid fire. Sorry. Lower body. <laughs> lower body. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with the lower body just because I think of those pictures of the you know the people that skip leg day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I'll, go, I'll go with that. I feel like both would look weird, but I, I think I might have to also go lower body right. because I mean it's it's probably better for you to have a strong lower body than it right. is to have a strong upper body. <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah. I love it. Sorry I didn't bring any questions. Easy. <laughs> One more. Biggest. We're all musicians here. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest pre-gig source of anxiety. Wow. I think just setting up, like, it's just like getting there and just being ready in time. And then having, like, I feel like I'm always running behind to the point where I am like set up and then I have to start right away. And I love, I love a gig where I have like 10 minutes in between being totally set up and ready. And then I just get to chill. And then, yeah. So I think it's just, it's just like everything working, technology working and like my set list being there and all the band members. Also when I'm in a band, like corralling everybody mm-hmm. to be there on time. Yeah. Anyway, read. an impossible task. Right. It's impossible. I don't know why. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always one person in the band who's like, just a free spirit, and they're just never there. Yeah. I'll get there when I get there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, you're supposed to be on time. I know. Um, I'd say set up as well. I try to, um, if I have a gig, make sure that if if we're able to do it, like if we have a gig at 9 p.m. or somewhere later later at night, I try to be like, hey, can we do this at like two? So that way we can just get the sound check over with, right. get everything set up, and then you know get all the levels correct instead of rushing to the fact that we have to do this because I find that those will always make for the better performances. I agree. Um, yeah, I always just hate getting in, rushing in, and then it just being a mess. You don't really feel like totally prepared yeah. when you, you step on stage. So I, I always like the ease of just being able to just walk up and everything's already all ready to go. Yeah. For the sake of brevity, yes to both of those answers. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. We're both just basically like, we're all just saying we're fancy and we want people to, to set up for us and we're going to be fancy about it. Yeah. And then we're going to just well, walk in at the end. In, in all seriousness, though, like, I always and I'm sure many musicians will agree, uh, you love to play. Playing in front of people is a wonderful experience. Everything leading up to it sucks. Lugging the gear, mm-hmm. organizing people, getting there, yeah. you know, it's its not fun. But yeah. uh, but once you start playing the music, that's yeah. where you are reminded of why you do what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Picking your outfit, too. That can be, that can be a challenge. I love picking but d- my outfit. Do you, do you know, like, the day of? <laughs> like, do you know, like, well beforehand what you're going to wear? Or is it kind of like no, you just like decide? No, it's like a spur of the moment following the intuition. And, you know, right. you can feel when you put something on if it's aligned with your purpose for the evening or not. Nice. You know. Love it. Yeah. Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today <laughs> on the Kingston Live podcast. This has been a long time coming. Yes. I wanted to have you on the podcast since I saw you perform at the uh, YGK Emerging Musician oh, Show, which was like, was like two years almost ago. Almost two years <laughs> ago yeah, now. That's so cool. crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, wild but, that we're here. Yes. Yeah, so we finally made it. And this is also the first in-person podcast we've done in about a year yeah wow. uh, since october or september was I that think. it or was yeah. it tiny horse the last one tiny horse was the last guest that we had on you interviewed and- a tiny horse <laughs> like we were talking about <laughs> we should ask tiny horse this question that's so important it was one tiny horse though. Oh, not a hundred tiny horses no no um, uh, thank you for having me i'm so happy to be here yes no we're happy to have you this is great and it's so nice to be outside i should mention yes we are in beautiful lake ontario park i was a little worried about doing this outside we we're actually supposed to do this last week and we've had a lot of rain it rained we had a big storm last night and i was was worried we couldn't do it and i was gonna say let's do it tomorrow and then savannah was like no you know what let's do it today and it turned out to be a beautiful day so here we are you can probably hear a bit of the splash pad you might be able to hear the ice cream truck behind me yeah just beautiful day great setting for a podcast just nice to get outside and it's nice to be outside yes (laughs) nice to get outside talk to people 
Yeah. Normally, they got me a lovely lawn chair, feeling very comfortable. <laughs> yes, we're at the picnic table. Yeah. <laughs> Setting the scene. Yes, yes. Uh, well, usually we like to do these in Skeleton Park because Skeleton right. Park is kind of sort of synonymous with the Kingston art scene, but I guess Absolutely. there's some, some construction there right now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love I love Skeleton Park. I don't have anything else to say about that, but I love it. That's all good my, memories. That's all like, good with memories. The, with the festival and just just walking, walking <laughs> down there. Walking through it, yeah. There's a vibe in also, that park, like, in I'm that a, neighborhood. I'm a suburbs kid. Like, I grew up in Kingston. I'm a suburbs kid. And yeah. then I remember, like, when I started to go downtown, and then I, like, discovered... I, like, discovered Skeleton Park in my 20s, and I was like, what? This hasn't been here this whole time? See, that's really interesting, too, because I've talked to a lot of people about this and how, like, Kingston is such a pocketed yeah. city where, like... When you live in the West End or if you live in the East End, you kind of get caught in this bubble. Yeah. Do you find that it was kind of like you you are so immersed now in, in the music scene. Did it take a lot for you to kind of figure out like where the music scene was? Because to me, I like I've lived downtown my whole life, so right. I've kind of always known it. Like when when did that kind of set into place for you that like, oh, Kingston has an amazing like art scene? Yeah, I think I it's like I feel like this is sort of. Um, self-centered to say, but it was like when I decided that I wanted to be a musician, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess I have to go find it. Yeah. Um, but I remember the first day, the first like step I took to finding the Kingston music scene was I walked into Musiki Cafe and was like, how do I play the open mic? Like, how do you get set up? Or like, how do I play a gig here? And Ryan was working the bar and he was like, come play the open mics as much as you can. And then like, get to know the people that work here. And at the time that was such a like fancy proposition, you know, I was like, okay, yes, I had this whole like businessy kind of plan of like, huh. I'll come play the open mic every week. And then I'll like, after a month, I'll like make contact with the owners. And within like a couple weeks, I was like friends with everybody. And yeah. it was, it's very chill, but yeah, it was, it took a little bit of effort. And then even now still like driving downtown to go play music is like an event and it's mm-hmm. still exciting. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, and even, but also, I'm starting, like, there's, I have a gig in the West End regularly now um, for the, like, Days on Front food truck. So that's, like, there's music happening over there, too. Right. And hopefully that, the, like, downtown core can expand a little bit. And I so, mean, so you're noticing a bit of a change? <clears throat> Sorry, then, like, of, of these areas kind of immersing into more of an artistic scene? Yeah, I mean, I think the suburbs will always be suburby. Right. But it's just fun to play music in my neighborhood, you know. How do, how do you think that can change, though? Like, like how does that how do you bring a scene into the suburbs like i feel like you're asking, asking both of you such a big question <laughs> i think it's kind of a mental state really like when we think of live music we just think downtown but i mean there's there's tons of places in the west end uh that host live music yeah yeah so i think we just kind of need to remind ourselves once in a while true that, yeah it's not all just the toucan it's not just the mansion etc yeah absolutely that's true i agree i completely agree well said about getting back into playing live i think that's going to be weird for both musicians this is july of 2021 just for context anyone who's keeping track of our covid journey um yes things are starting to open up concerts are getting booked it's funny i've been thinking about this and i'm not generally an anxious person but even when i think about getting back into crowds whether it's as a performer or as an audience member it's it's, the idea is a little weird Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. think it's going to take some getting used to again i'm I'm curious how you guys feel about that um because in savannah you've already started getting out there again what's it been like yeah so i feel like the way i think about leaving covid my sort of baseline analogy for anxiety is skiing i don't know if you've ever skied but if you like sit here and think about skiing you're like that's nuts like who would ever go down a hill fast on two pieces of wood like it just seems like such a crazy idea but then when you get off the chairlift and you're at the top of the hill you can do it and it's fine and so I feel like a lot of my like leaving COVID anxiety is just conceptual and like I'm just like what's it gonna be like what's it gonna be like and then when every time I've been in a space with people like I went to my first like dinner party again and I, I played a couple shows and every time I've been in those spaces it's okay and when I'm there it's okay I think um, yeah, I think the, like, anxiety is surpassed for me by just, like, at, when I am on stage, I'm like, finally, this is who, this is who I am. This is everything I want to do. I feel the most connected when I'm doing this. And, like, that, to me, kind of pushes the other stuff aside. But that's what I, I don't know. What do you think, Reed? I mean, I feel like for myself, like, it is very overwhelming to think about. And yeah. I think it's just about 
gradually putting myself in these situations again like i think because i definitely know that if i get right into it right away like going into crowds playing music and just like being uh, out every night like that's that sounds like a great idea like initially but then i realized that like i'd burn myself out very quickly and then probably never go out again yeah (laughs) the other thing too that i think about is like i want to be so much more mindful about the life i'm creating post pandemic right because I feel like before we were all just kind of living chaotically and it was like you're just doing like I don't think I was living very mindfully in terms of what I was choosing to do Mm -hmm. you know and I'm like okay let's take some of this pandemic savannah and bring that energy forward so that like I'm choosing more strategically like what things will actually serve me what people are going to serve me what spaces I want to go to that will like bring me joy instead of just like blindly doing everything yeah I think that's the thing we all need to remind ourselves of getting into the post-pandemic world is remembering what it was like before and what it was like during COVID Mm -hmm. and who you were before and who you were during and who you're going to be moving forward because we can't go back to the quote-unquote normal, the old normal, because normal wasn't working. No. And I think for a lot of us, there's been a lot of time to reflect and get back to zero and kind of rebuild. And I think if we're going to give way to this this gaslighting that I'm sure is to come of, we got to get back to normal, I I think that would be a mistake. I I think there's that, um, you know, there's been a lot of hardship, but with hardship, comes growth and if I think we're going to ignore that growth that would be a big mistake yeah I think for me too like a big realization is um you know I I always felt like the need to like just recharge and what is what does recharge mean right like it used to mean just going to my apartment and just like isolating myself out from the world right or maybe just just chilling but obviously (laughs) this past year and a half that hasn't worked for me you you know and that and obviously it's it's been too much and there's you know there's nothing wrong with if someone needs to do that and recharge that way but i think for me there's now so many other reasons of how i can recharge while being active at the same time and keeping my mind going and maybe the life you were living where you had to like isolate to recharge was like too much and maybe there's a way to live a more balanced life so that you don't have to do those dramatic like moments of like I can't see anybody or do anything or whatever you know yeah well Savannah what's your experience been like how has COVID changed you specifically oh so I feel like I think about the quarantine in like sections like the same way if you're like not to isolate anyone but if you're like doing a trip and you have like there's like different sections of a high and you like that was the time I was on the couch and then then I was in the forest and then I was you know what I mean and I feel like quarantine has similar sort of like chunks Um, I like quit music at the beginning of the pandemic uh, and was like, I'm never playing again. And that for me was just about like shedding my identifiers and being like, who am I without all of my identifiers? Um, And then after I also like I would say that was the first chunk. And then I had a chunk last summer where I was like, I fell in love for the first time. And that was like a really big experience, you know. And then I had a chunk, which was like basically everything after that, where I was like dealing with breaking up with somebody. And that was like a whole process. And through those sort of waves of up and down of like extremes of human emotion, I would just say that like I just learned a lot about myself. Uh, I came out as queer in January. So that was like a big thing for me. And it wasn't something that I had like, I I know this isn't for everybody, but like for me, it hadn't been something I was hiding or like not accepting in myself earlier it just had never come up because I hadn't sat with myself for enough time to know you know and so uh, the personal growth has been kind of ridiculous um and I know like for all of the suffering and whatever it's like I was super grateful to have that time with myself and and now I'm I think now I'm excited to be like okay so I've done all this internal work I've done all this thinking I've always been a thinker in this way and like overthinking a lot of the time but now let's like take this new version of myself and test it against reality like let's test it against other people as an as an artist who how am I how is this going to affect who I am as an artist how is this going to affect you know what relationships I seek to support or which ones I don't you know put energy into that kind of thing so I feel like I'm an untested human right now. I, I'm a whole new person that has not been exposed to the elements. I, I really like that. I hadn't thought of it that way, and I don't want to get too far off topic because this is a music podcast <laughs> and not a philosophy podcast. <laughs> Maybe we need to have another discussion. Yeah. But I really like that. I like the way you put it, that idea of sort of testing yourself because, yeah, I think a lot of us have had an opportunity to get back to zero and do a little bit of soul searching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But, yeah, it, it has been untested, I think. Yeah. I think there is a, an opportunity 
post-COVID to, you know, get back out there and, and find out, okay, how does this new me fare against the world? Definitely, definitely. And, like, from a musical perspective, I yes, think... Yes, please bring this back to music. I'm, yeah, 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 that was me take, taking the cue. Um, I mean, it's. I think everything is connected. Like, I, as a singer-songwriter, like, every song I write is about the stuff we're talking about, so mm-hmm. it doesn't feel... They don't feel separate to me, but um, from a more, like, professional musical standpoint... I think just a lot of my um, ideas about what I want have changed and my, I guess like, I don't know if I'd say like morally, if that's the right word, but like I used to, you know, when I was younger, I used to be like, I'm going to like, I want to like tour the world. And now I'm kind of like, I don't really think flying is great for the environment. And like, I probably am not going to do a tour that involves flying, you know, with any kind of consistency and like even now I'm like oh I need to get a van and I'm like well you know should I wait five years until I can afford to like lease an electric vehicle before I do a tour and should I just really put energy into supporting like locals and I'm not saying it's not on the individual musician to like save the planet but and and then from a like community standpoint I spent the last four years in Toronto at Humber studying music and I built a music community there and I was pretty sure until the pandemic that that's where I was going to settle and now that I'm back in Kingston, I'm like, well, I feel like I have a way better opportunity to like provide meaningful connection in my community here because it's smaller um, and I have more opportunities. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I think everything got smaller musically with the pandemic. I'm like, I can have an impact without doing the most and being the most out in the world, you know? Going back to you were talking about your writing style. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask like how, like how you got started in music, like that basic like like yeah. w- 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 where did you start playing music and for sure. Um, but I really want to know because I've never known this before. How did you've always had such a mature writing style, and it, it always grows and grows as the years goes on. As I've seen you write music, how did that start for you? Like when, when yes. did you learn? When, when did that intuition of being able to write? and being so wise about it well you say always but that's only what I've shown you you know (laughs) (laughs) you didn't see the like me at 12 years old doing like I mean no I I think that is partially true um I, I, my earliest like song writing experiences, I mean, I wrote, (laughs) I like was writing songs in my diary in like grade school about like, you know, I, this one, this is really embarrassing, but I remember like kind of (laughs) discovering that, like that there were people who like weren't as fortunate as me and like maybe didn't have like the the means I had and I remember writing a song about this and if anyone like I have one friend who knows what this is and it's ridiculous and I'm not going to say the lyrics because they're so dumb (laughs) but basically just being like oh this is like a sad thing and like it's sad that people are you know what I mean like sort of you're I feel like I was a old soul in the sense of like the pain of the collective consciousness came pretty young and I was writing about that and then I would turn those songs like when I had friends come over in elementary school, it was like, let's write songs. Let's like play music. Let's write. And I was sort of always pushing that. And then I guess the first like real songs I wrote were in that year when I started going to Musiki um, open mics. And then that's when Reed and I were in a band together and I was starting to write for that. And like, you saw me in those early days when like how excited I would get about anything for that sure. was happening. And I was like, you have to sit and listen, like listen to what I did. <laughs> um, you know, and I, at the time was like this is the best you know I was always really confident and it was like this is the best thing I've ever created and now I'm looking back and I'm like yeah those songs yeah could use some work (laughs) but I think you just have to I don't know if I'm even answering your questions it just it just feels like in the same way that it's like well why am I a singer it's like I don't know I you know it feels like it's a part of me and I had people who around me who supported that I feel like writing and like words and playing with words is like a part of what a part of the like tool that I have to connect with people not to be pretentious about it but it actually just sort of feels like a skill I have and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep working with that well if it comes naturally to it you just you just do it yeah you don't really question yeah. it yeah and not to and yeah and not even to say like I've written so many so many bad songs you know and it's like that's part of it it's it's like part of what is a uh, like a skill or a, like makes it a skill that you get to have is that you can push through all the like the garbage stuff do you have like a sort of a schedule in mind of when you're writing or is it a schedule yeah like it's like i'm gonna write a song a day or like it doesn't (laughs) i I know that doesn't work for everybody but like some people need to push themselves to like to do it Mm -hmm. how how does it how does it come to you so you've done it so often that it, it just comes at this point but no it doesn't it's i i mean 
I one of the greatest lessons I learned in this pandemic was that the way I function is not regimented. It's not scheduled. I will not succeed if I try to make myself do something every day. And I will feel shame if I try because I will always fail. And I'm not saying I can't grow into regimentedness, but what I actually think is ben more beneficial is the way that I function and thrive is I go like really hard into one thing for like a couple weeks and then I give up on it. I don't give up on it, but I'm like, okay, great. That was fun. I like explored that and then I'll find something new. And I'm never not moving forward, but I'm, it's not, it's very divergent. It's not like linear. It's not structured. Mm -hmm. um, so like, for example, I'll get like really into collaging and I'll do that. And then I'll like sell some collages and then I'll get really into right now. I'm really into F1 racing or whatever. <laughs> and like you, I think I just learned to accept in the pandemic that those, I used to think that was a weakness, but I'm like, no, I can go so deep into something. And I get like the way that I can get obsessed about a specific topic or a specific vibe of music or whatever serves me. Cause then I'll usually get something out of it. Right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Kingston Live. Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also hear our sister show, Kingston Live On Air, on Amherst Island Radio 92.1 FM and CFRC 101.9 FM. For show listings, artist info, and all things Kingston music, check out our new website, kingstonlive.ca. One of the best quotes I read in the last little while was, the best art you can make is the art that only you can make. Which Aww, I just love. Yeah. And and with what you do, Savannah, I feel like there's there's an, an honesty to it, but there's an interesting sort of flow as well. Because you've, I, and I've noticed this too, you've pointed out how it doesn't always work in a verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind no. of way. How, how does that come about? Is it from I the love, writing or is it the melody? What what sort of takes it there? Oh, it's I love these questions. I... I think I'm more of a verse person because I think I'm more storyteller oriented. Um, I'm not a, I, anytime I say I'm not great at something, what I really mean is I haven't put time into working on it. So, but I'm less practiced with choruses, hooks, that kind of thing. Um, and the way that I sort of feel my music is like kind of like waves. Like it, it feels like, okay, we're going to build, like if you, you remember in, in uh, high school English when your teacher drew the like storyline of, a, it's like the plot, you know, there's the introduction and then there's the exposition and then there's the climax and then there's, the, you know, like that's kind of how I visualize the song. So it's like, what's going to be the point in this song that's the most, I also think I'm, you know, I might just be putting hindsight intellectualization on something that doesn't actually have process in the moment. Um, I think I want the lyrics okay this is what I will say that I do know is true <laughs> about my songwriting <laughs> I every lyric has to serve the thesis of the song so when I write a song it's like what is this song about and then every lyric has to actually like make sense um, there's no extraneous words I know a lot of people succeed at writing like Bonnie Bear I guess writes like kind of nonsense lyrics but there's still an emotional impact of that for me I'm like telling a story and it has to make sense and I've gotten closer and closer to that as I've age to the point where I'm like okay now I'm writing s songs from the perspective of like what do you want to say and then you exactly say that and it's not like fancy metaphors and you know well that might be a good moment for us to hear a song yes yeah. so now Savannah's let been me sitting prove with that. a guitar this entire time <laughs> I, so I offered to let her put it down but she was content to just hold it it's a comfort discussion. Well, yeah. yeah it's my like little comfort it's my little shield yes so and now, we have kind of an unwitting audience I think here too so this should be that's great there's a very cute dog walking slowly well, there is. towards oh, we're gonna me. make a friend um this is why I love podcasting on location yeah that's <laughs> a little so randomness awesome. yes so I'm really hoping that my song just proves everything I said. Let me also say, I don't know. Every time it's different. Sometimes I spend months and months working on a song. Sometimes it comes all at once. I don't know. You know, whatever. Do your thing. Just There's no rules. Um, okay, so this song is called Three Possible Names. <laughs> now, is this new? Have, have this we... is brand new. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. This is from like a couple weeks ago. It's my second newest song. Um... And one possible title is The Last Song of Spring, alternatively, The First Song of Summer. It was kind of on the border of those two seasons. And then the last possible title is Unrooted. Um, maybe maybe we'll talk about it after. Maybe I won't like, give anything away. And we'll see. I want to see how clearly my thesis comes across now that I've okay. said that. Can you hear your guitar OK? Yeah. I've lived a life 
talked about before and like you used to kind of ha- have a bit of a struggle with what kind of music you want to put out and who you are as an artist like that it's yeah. always been sort of before before anyway the internal question that you've always had and I feel like you've kind of answered this in some of the previous questions yeah um is that something that you kind of still struggle with of, of, of being like I want to put out a soul record or I want to put out a folk record do you do you have that internal struggle still or or is it kind of still is it more free-flowing in your whatever music comes out comes out yeah it's that's I don't think about it anymore I think I think more about like what who are the who are the people I would put on a record like what's the band gonna like I'm sort of I do still think about like what is this music gonna sound like but it's not from a like genre perspective Mm. um you know I think my very dear friend our dear friend Heather Evans who is a genius once said um, if you're not sure what to do, don't worry, just do stuff. And the path will like become clear because you'll just be doing stuff, you know? And if you look back, you'll be like, Oh, look at what I did. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so for songwriting, it's like, well, I write songs and I have a bot. I, I mean, to say I have a body of work now, is sort of pretentious, but I do, I have like, you know, 40 songs that I'm really proud of. And I can look at that set of songs and be like, Oh, that's my sound, you know? Right. And now the trick is to not create to like, not I don't want to create to fit my own sound you know like mm-hmm. let's I have to keep like moving forward I can't cycle back into what I've already been doing but I mean I think I just I think I just write songs and it's like okay there's a song right that's an interesting point too because I think a lot of musicians kind of create 
a brand for themselves and then they get stuck in that brand. For sure. Like if the Rolling Stones decided to do opera now, people would hate it, right? right. You just, you have that thing that you're known for, but that's not necessarily gonna be the thing that you're gonna be forever, right? People are constantly definitely. changing. Constantly changing. And I, I've definitely been in that trap before and like, you know, when you pick up your guitar and your fingers go to the same places, it's like, okay, you know, you have to sort of push yourself. So for me, I would say my current, like if I had to brand myself, what I want is that my lyrical content has some like elements of honesty, probably nature, some like like some sort of spiritual energy. Like I, I think it's more about the content of the lyric than what the music is doing. Right. Like that's what, and I want to be able to, um, I had the opportunity to interview Paul Langlois earlier this year and he said like he just had to believe his own songs every song he wouldn't put a song in on a record that he couldn't play and like stand behind and that to me that's the brand you know believing in your right. own art yeah. and, and basically the brand being is who you are For sure. as a person yeah <laughs> and there's some songs that I have that I've written that I play and by the fourth minute I'm like oh this is boring like I don't even like this song right. and it's like okay well that song needs some work then like what are you going to do to make yourself to get from not believing to believing in that song right yeah and you released an EP. Yes, I did release. I released two EPs over the quarantine. Um, but the more professional of the two is called Winter Magnolia. Yes. Uh, it's a three song EP. I made it as my thesis project for my music degree at Humber. Um, and I love it. I think it's excellent. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. And I'm proud of the musicians that played on it. And yeah. I don't know. What, I, I'd love to talk about it more. Do you have any questions? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, uh, so all these musicians that were on this EP yeah. come from Humber. Um, when did, like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to have be on the EP? Like, uh, what, what, tell us about the process of just going into it. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely the hum, like, you know, when you're doing the degree, you know that by your fourth year, you'll be recording something. So you kind of think about it the whole time. And I think the restrictions that COVID put on the process of recording were actually really good for me because I would have probably tried to do too much. Like I would have made it too big. And, and then what I ended up doing was basically having a trio. Um, so Michael Broadhead on bass, who's a Kingston guy, uh, you know, I've been playing with him for 12 years, which is wild. And he's at Humber now too. So he played on it. And then, um, an amazing drummer, Mitch Milley, who's opening for the glorious sons with JJ wild coming up on tour, which is very fun. Cool. Um, just a little plug for two musicians I love. So basically I worked in a trio with them and then everything extraneous to that was, um, done in people's homes outside of the studio. So it ended up being really simple. Um, actually also I had, uh, two guys, John and Josh play on the final track father's garden. Um, and it was, I, it felt kind of vital because we didn't, we rehearsed once, you know, with masks on very in a rush cause it was COVID and it was scary to rehearse. And, and then we went into the studio and all prior years of my degree, the, the speech was like, if you are going into the studio, you need to be preparing six months in advance. You need to have like, you know, and then it was like, well, we got to rehearse once and now let's record the CP. And that to me felt kind of aligned with like the energy that I have of just like what's happening right now like let's do it it's quick right. it's in the moment and uh, I'd like to like develop a little more professionalism and consistency but it was it felt really good um, oh my gosh that's amazing okay such a huge a chunk of a tree <laughs> fell off a tree that was amazing Whoa. I don't know if that was picked up by the mic but that was pretty neat and now a cooler fell over, which is completely unrelated <laughs> it's to chaos here. the tree falling over. Yeah, that was that's like the biggest piece of a tree I've ever seen fall. If it anyone was like curious, somebody was splashing into the water. That was wow. Wow. Um, yeah, anyway, we're we talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I made an EP. I think you should listen to it. It's on themes of nature and love in the universe, and uh, you know, I'm yeah, I'm really proud of it. Can you talk a bit about more your experience at Humber? Yeah. Um, both good and bad definitely i think i um so i feel like the people this year we sort of all left humber on a bit of a sour note because there's some challenges with the administration at the moment and the music program isn't getting the support it needs the faculty's not getting the support it needs so i'm currently not thrilled about what humber's doing um and i really hope that they turn around and support their staff properly because the teachers there are amazing um and if the program is run correctly it's unreal i had an amazing time mm -hmm. in my four years um i it's like you know you're put in a space with 150 other people that think basically like you which can be dangerous <laughs> but also really exhilarating when you just you know i would go whole days like 12 hour days at school and i would only talk about music you know mm -hmm. and that 
isn't always what you want, but it's such a fun opportunity to have. Um, and then I learned so much through peers. Like, I feel like even I did a couple other years at other schools and I was always learning the most in the dining hall, like just like talking to people. And that's what Humber felt like for me. It was like, we would have our classes, whatever. And then we would just spend the night playing music together. And that's where I was like doing my actual learning. Um, and I wanted to quit so many times, but I didn't. And I, I am, I'm glad I didn't cause I got a lot out of the last year. And I don't know, I think, I think being a part of an institution at this current moment is not a super appealing thing. Um, I think, I think institutions are at odds with art in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and I especially think the way music schools are run historically are at odds with like the origins of music, especially a jazz school, which is like music that was developed in the South of the United States by black people. And then now in Canada, it's like taught in a stuffy institution by white people. Mm -hmm. And what is prominent, there's a very cute dog really close to me. Hi, Hello, puppy. Um, what is prominent in those institutions is like putting skill and like technical abilities over any kind of feeling emotions and like you know most of the props are white men and it just is like taking it out of the space of its origins and I don't I think it's I think institutions have a lot of problems they need to sort out and there's mm -hmm. lots of like fancy words about diversity and inclusion and equity going around without very much action happening yeah so I'm not I don't know I'm grateful I got to leave when I got to leave I'm grateful I got to be there um but I hope that we can like sort of deconstruct our artistic institutions in Canada a little bit and reframe them. Reed and I were both curious about your experience in Toronto, just in general mm. with music, because with the Kingston live podcast, we're deep into the local scene of mm. Kingston, For sure. and, which we love. Uh, but uh, I feel like we're, uh, we've created kind of an insular environment for ourselves. What's it like in Toronto versus Kingston? Oh, it's so beautiful. I loved the Toronto music scene so much. Um, it's what I think is maybe the most like different from a business perspective is you're not going to make money playing shows. Like here, I, if I play a show, like I'll probably like I'm playing music on Sunday. I'm probably I'm splitting it three ways. I'll probably get like 70 bucks at least, you know, right. maybe maybe more. But in Toronto, you're on a bill with a whole band that you're in. And then usually you're on a bill with like three or four bands and then you're splitting the door and usually the people that come to your shows are like other musicians, you know what I mean? And that's like, that's sort of the scene in terms of like the bar scene and like the venue scene. And I'm sure there's like another echelon of scene that's, you know, you can make money in, mm -hmm. but I wasn't making money, but it, the, the vibe of getting to like the people that I got to play with, you know, it's just a, you're, you know, you're selecting from a larger pool. So you get more diverse um, groups of people to play with the best thing that was happening right before COVID was there was this thing called the big fam jam happening which was just like every Monday night all of the coolest people I've ever met would go to this bar <laughs> and it would just be a free jam and anyone could go on stage and the music was all improvised and it was so fun and just to have and I feel similarly about Musiki in that way like especially in its earlier days when I was starting out like it was a place I didn't need to plan social activity because I would just like oh I'll go to Musiki and all my friends will be there and then we would play music together you know and that right. I felt that in Toronto in a different way and in a I think also like the music that is in Toronto is just more diverse like Kingston has sort of like a folk rock sometimes jazz you know blues dad rock energy you know <laughs> which is like fine and I love it and I hope that we I think there's way I think since I've been gone and come back there's definitely way more going on now than there was when I was here originally. And I'm excited to see that, like, hopefully come out after the pandemic. You know, there there was a cool rap scene happening that I saw at open mics occasionally. And, like, I know that that happens and I wasn't privy to it. But I hope that these scenes can kind of integrate to be more diverse in Kingston. Because having that in Toronto was such a... It just serves everybody if, the, if everything is more diverse. I feel like I said this on the last time you know, I talked to you. But stepping into that, did you find that kind of like doing the fam jam stuff? Did you find that really intimidating or was it more exciting initially? I don't. Yeah, it, it was exciting. I don't think I'm. There's nothing in a space musically that really like scares me too much. Like mm. I don't feel. I, when I stopped tying my personal worth to my abilities as a musician, I was much freer and I was able to just go and be in musical spaces and not could be concerned, you know? Right. I think I used to, like maybe a couple of years ago, I would have gone to a jam and been like, oh, I can't go up. I'm not good enough. People aren't going to like me, blah, blah, blah. 
But then I was like, I play music. These people are awesome. I'm awesome. I think it's like a confidence thing, right? Right. Um, and I don't know, like, you know, thanking my lucky stars that I have that because it makes it easier to <laughs> be in the world. But yeah, I, I, I think I just enjoy making music so much and I love talking to musicians so much and it's just like, yeah, this is the perfect chance. I'm going to go and hang out with musicians. And I'm speaking from a very narrow, like limited perspective on what the Toronto music scene is. Like I, I had kind of a barely a glimpse into it um, while I was there. Cause even in my first couple of years, I was doing the like college thing where you kind of stay insular and, and the way it's going to open up after COVID too, will be really different than what I experienced. So it's hard to say, but I loved it. And I'm honestly very happy to be back in Kingston and, I hope to get a vehicle so I can drive <laughs> to Toronto and be there sometimes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just go back and forth. Yeah. I'd like, I'd love to make Southern Ontario my community, you know? <laughs> I like that. I wanted to ask you about performing because mm. you seem very comfortable in front of a crowd. I don't know if you actually are, but oh, yeah. you seem comfortable <laughs> in front of a crowd, but you also have a way of kind of like shrinking the room. There's an intimacy to the performance. Oh. I don't even, are you conscious of that? Is that deliberate? Where does that come from? Wow, I got chills when you said that. That's such a cool idea. Um, definitely comfortable. Um, like I still get nervous, but I love being in front of people. Like my dream actually is to be a stand-up comedian. Like I just love to, <laughs> you know, talk and be in front of people. But I think the shrinking of the room that's really interesting. I think it maybe the context that we're in right now, like this sort of vulnerable kind of folky context maybe has that effect. Definitely if I'm playing with a band and it's more of like the outward projection, then that might not happen. But I think something that I learned pretty early on playing open mics and like bar gigs, you know, I used to do like a four hour gig at Blue Martini and everyone would just be watching. Uh, <laughs> mm, hung along, <laughs> sing along to the machinery. Um, but uh, yeah, I used to do these long bar gigs and when you want people to listen and they're not listening, singing louder doesn't do it. You can't like push out a song and expect people to listen. You actually have to get quieter because then people are like, oh, what's happening? I don't know. I don't know why that works, but that's what I think works. And I think I try to do that, try to use like the low dynamic level as a, to my advantage in that way. That's, that's interesting because my instinct is always to get louder, but maybe that was wrong. Well, I think it's like, what is, if the function of you getting louder is to like emotionally serve your song, then that makes sense. But if the function yeah. of you getting louder is to like try and force people to listen to you, that like inauthentic, like, yeah, intention, I'm guilty of it too. But like that intention is going to be apparent, I think. That's really interesting. Okay. It's like, you're like, it's like you, you know, you can't be too needy about it. Right. Who are you serving yourself yeah. or the audience? Exactly. Yeah. Or the art. It's not even you. Right. It's like, okay. are you serving the song and what the song right. needs in that moment? Yeah. Savannah, what's next for you? Oh, fun. What a fun question. Um, <laughs> I, I say that seriously and sarcastically. I'm immediately next. I said I'm playing on Sunday. I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm playing. Maybe in a week or so. Okay. Probably not yeah. Sunday. Great. Before Sunday. So last week I played at Music Cafe and it went so well and everyone gave me a lot of money and it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, just uh, I'm teaching right now. So I'm sort of setting up my own teaching practice and trying to gig in Kingston uh, and a goal for this year. I, if I'm going to speak openly and honestly about my big goals, I'd love to put out an amazing 10-song record that I've worked very hard on and spent time with, um, you know, less chaotically probably than my EP, hopefully more intention. And I'd love to uh, I'd love to play a show at the Bader. I think that's a big goal I have. I'm just putting it out in the universe. If anyone wants to help me do that. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, a show of my original music. And, like, just I love that space so much. And So what's next for me? I'm going to be a musician until I don't want to anymore. Yeah. Excellent. I yeah. Like <laughs> I like it. Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I'm so happy this worked out. I'm so happy the weather worked out. Yeah. I'm so happy that there were dogs and trees falling down and <laughs> lawnmowers and all kinds of it's crazy stuff. This is what I love about on location podcasting. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and if anyone wants to call me out on anything I said or chat, you can follow me at Savannah Shea Music on Instagram. It's S-H-E-A Music. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty friendly. Have a convo. Do we want to hear another song or do, do we just want to that, stick with that's one? That's up to you. I would love to play another song. Oh, please do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Don't make me play. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me sing. The classic. <laughs> that was another thing I like resolved to myself was... Um, I would, if someone asked me to sing, I would never say no. Like when I was like 14, if, I was like, if anyone ever asks me to sing, I'm not going to say no. 
and that's been good. And I cried out loud cause I felt it in my heart This is the third time now that I've walked away from us To wonder if there's more to the way I already love you And are you waiting for your words cause you're scared of being wrong Or are you fighting with a feeling that can't be described at all Wanna hold the silence open like an old screen door But I'm trying not to keep my thoughts from turning into words I've surely said before. And if you want to write it down, I'd read it over and over. Sometimes it feels like pulling teeth trying to get to know you. I'm sorry if the wandering is more than you expected. I'm hoping that you're wandering back in my direction. left unsaid underneath the surface sometimes i think i'll bring it up but i'm not sure it's worth it knowing someone living far away could love you like no other i think about you all of the time till you become someone i remember i'll think about you all the time till you become someone i remember i think about you all the time till you become someone i remember Think about you all the time This is the third time now that I've walked away from us To wonder if there's more to the way I already love you Thank you! <laughs> This has been Kingston Live. We encourage you to rate us on your listening platform of choice and subscribe where possible. Kingston Live was produced in Kingston at Titan Sound, hosted by Reed Cunningham and John Sanfilippo. Writing and research by Peter Sanfilippo. Voiceovers by Riley Jabor and John Sanfilippo. Promotional assistance by Jackson Coulter and Reed Cunningham. Executive producer Rob Howard. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at kingstonlive.ca.